Capital One is a proud partner of the Rodin Fellows Program, which provides opportunities to aspiring sports journalists from historically Black colleges and universities to produce content, including this podcast. Throughout the year, Capital One supports this program, a part of larger commitment to investment of students from HBCUs. Welcome to the 2021-22 Rodin Fellows Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Sykes, a sports manager graduate student at Florida A&M University. Today, I'm joined by Rodin Fellows colleague, Sarah Jones-Smith, Howard University senior and producer of this episode. Hi, everybody. This week marked the beginning of the spring semester for many HBCU schools. Spring is a time for better weather, day party, probates, and most importantly, graduation. Sarah, graduating this semester, so how does it feel to be starting your last semester of undergrad? Oh my gosh, it's it's really crazy to be starting my last semester of undergrad because I just think back to like my younger self in high school and how bad I really wanted to get into Howard and how excited I was for that experience. And then, you know, two of my undergrad years were taken away because of COVID. And so, you know, I, I'm kind of used to being at home. So going back to campus is a little bittersweet. I am a little bit worried, but I am glad that I get to finish out this last semester on campus because a lot of people didn't get that opportunity. And I'm just so excited for what the future holds. I've been getting advice from people, talking to different people about, you know, what what to do after college. So there's just a lot in store and I'm really excited about that. But Calvin, I know that you got two degrees from FAMU. So like when you were in your last semester of undergrad, what what were you thinking? Like what were what was going on in your brain? Well, unfortunately for me, I mean, I was one of the first COVID classes, like right when the pandemic hit. So for me, it was I've always had a dream to get a master's. So it just naturally felt right to stay where I felt home. Um, and with this kind of being my last semester, it kind of feels bittersweet. It's been six years in Tallahassee, a lot of great memories, um, lifelong friends, lifelong, um, lifelong memories that I've made, as well as fraternity brothers that I can lean on towards the rest of my time throughout life. Um, and it's just kind of bittersweet. And, you know, it's, I just feel like it's time for me to close this chapter and, you know, enter the, the real world, per se. Yes, emphasis on time to close this chapter. I agree. I definitely agree. And I'm excited for the next chapter for both of us. Um, I am too. But now it's kind of my favorite conversation to talk about, football. So we saw a lot of emotions last week during the NFL wildcard weekend. Cowboy fans went viral for crying in the stands and throwing trash at the refs when they lost to the 49ers. While Tom Brady's um, fans are hoping to see him take his eighth Super Bowl ring. As the NFL gears up for the 56th, Super Bowl, those players are invited to an NFL combine in early March are preparing to prove why they deserve a spot on one of these teams. The NFL also announced prospects that are set to attend the league's HBCU combine, which is which will be held Friday, January 28th through the 29th at University of South Alabama Jaguar Training Center in Mobile, Alabama. Who better to speak about such an exciting event than two media experts? Today I'm joined by ESPN's draft analyst, and North Carolina Central alum, alum and a former quarterback, Jordan Reed. Thank y'all for having me. It's a pleasure being here. And former Southern University football player, HBCU game day writer, and host of Inside HBCU Football on Black College Sports Network, B.J. Jones. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, so I guess now I want to take you guys back to your time, back on your prospective campuses. Um, what was your favorite memory playing at the HBCU level? Um, man, it was 
Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, the games that really stood out for me, uh, Jackson State, um, every year. And Jackson State wasn't particularly good uh, when I first got to Southern. They, they, they were, you know, this was a James Bell era. Uh, but playing Jackson State and going to Jackson uh, twice, playing them in the New in New Orleans once, playing them in Baton Rouge once. I mean, the game was always just the energy was just amazing. Um, all, going to Alcorn and and seeing the fanfare, the tailgating uh, that that felt like it stretched for for miles and miles, and you know the home games, you know at Southern was just. You know, people uh, everywhere. Um, and, and my favorite moment, it's probably my first Bayou Classic. Um, that was the first time I, like, I really got uh, – you know, I had nerves before games, but that first Bayou Classic was – man, I had – I didn't have butterflies. I had pterodactyls. Um, I mean, because on that other side, man, that was Grambling. And growing up around HBCU football, Grambling is the Notre Dame of HBCU football. So to look on that other side and see that G and, you know, to see, you know, that lid and, and you know, Eddie Robinson was healthy at the time. This is 2003. Uh, so he was at that game. So to, to see all of that, uh, man, it's just so many memories. But the ones I pointed out, those were some of my fondest. Yeah, and I think for me, just playing in the, the central anti rivalry, of course, I think that I'm always going to go to bat and say that's the best. HBCU rivalry in the country and just playing against North Carolina A&T, of course, that's always a rivalry that I'm going to say is the best, but just suiting up on Saturdays, smelling the tailgates, even when you're warming up, it's just a different type of feeling, but it's something that I'll, I'll always remember as long as I live. But uh, when I was playing, it was during the early stages of Rod Broadway. And then I was playing for Mose Rising at the time. And I had a couple other head coaches too. Henry Frazier was one that I also played under too. So, I think it's just the atmosphere. It's something that you can't describe unless you're in the middle of it, but it's something I'll always remember. Mm. So now I guess, Jordan, I want to dive kind of more into your background. Um, so really what goes into a, being a draft analyst um, for ESPN? Like, what does that process look like? Yeah, it's something that I didn't really intend on doing, honestly, just because when I graduated, so I played at Central from 2010 to 2013. I actually went right into coaching. After that, I coached at Central. I was a graduate assistant for two years there. I was able to get my master's degree. So I'm a double legal. Um, I'm very proud of that. And after that, I was fortunate enough to get a full-time job coaching at Central, too. So I coached quarterbacks for a year, and then I coached running backs for two years after that. And, you know, the big thing that I love about Central, of course, you're in the middle as far as the triangle area. So Carolina's right over here. Duke's right over here. And the NC State is right around the corner, too. But I just love the HBCU atmosphere. It's one of the best decisions that I made. But just talking about being a draft analyst, I've always – I loved the draft growing up, but it wasn't a space that I intended on being in as far as a full-time job. And I'm sure both everybody on this chat can attest to this, that the NFL draft is something that is growing every single year. We actually have an NFL HBCU combine, which will be the first one ever down in South Alabama this year. So I'm really excited about that. But just the exposure that HBCUs now are getting. And I think I love to see that is going back to its roots just because the NFL kind of had a big period or a big gap of where there wasn't a lot of HBCU talent being fed into the league. And if you think about back in the 80s, the 70s, 80s, Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, uh, all these other guys that were coming into the league at the time, 
the HBCUs were producing Hall of Famers at a, a, a super high rate, but now there was a huge gap at a point. But now I think it's starting to get back to his roots. You see guys like Darius Leonard, who's the highest rated linebacker, pays lot, who's the highest paid linebacker in the NFL, Tariq Cohen, who, who had a really good few seasons early on, and even Javon Hargrave, who was one of the highest paid defensive tackles in the league too with the Philadelphia Eagles. So what I like to see is that, or what I like to say is that there's plenty of talent at HBCUs, but I think there's a little bit of laziness with the NFL teams as far as not going and doing their homework with some of these teams, but I'm glad to see now it's starting to get back to where it once was. Um, I, you speak a lot about this combine. So I guess I want to get both of you guys perspective on this. Um, how does this change how many HBCU players will probably end up getting drafted? Maybe not now, but the long-term growth in this, if they keep doing this for five, 10 years, 15 years, what is the bigger goal of this like moving forward? Well, I think the bigger the overall picture is that you just want to create more exposure for HBCUs. And I think Coach Prime down at Jackson State is doing a really good job of showing that the impossible is possible at HBCUs, getting a top-ranked player in the country like he did with Travis Hunter. But there's a lot of talent at HBCUs, and a lot of people may be complaining or something like that, saying that, oh, they shouldn't have a separate combine. They should just invite these players to the regular combine. And I kind of disagree with that, but I kind of see where they have a point. But just having just an HBCU landscape and an HBCU platform, I love that they're doing that just because there's a lot of talent at these HBCUs. And we haven't had an HBCU player drafted over the past two years, but I think that definitely could change this year. Yeah, definitely. I think that this is a, a good thing in year. You're starting to see the buzz about it. Um, you know, people are talking about the, you know, the HBCU combine and um, seeing the traction uh, on it uh, from, from social media. And, and, and what you hope is that this, this leads to a, a lot of young men uh, getting drafted, you know, and in and, and years past, we've been seeing HBCU guys make rosters and contribute, uh, you know, Chester Rogers, uh, Danny Johnson, uh, so many of those guys, but they're having to come in to free uh, agency uh, route. And we know from a financial standpoint uh, that uh, in the beginning, that's not as lucrative as, as getting drafted, and especially getting drafted, we started talking about uh, the earlier rounds. Um, so, you know, hopefully this will get some, uh, some guys some opportunities uh, to not only get their foot in the door, but, you know, get drafted and bring more attention back to um, our HBCU. So I'm very excited about the HBCU combine and I'm very excited and uh, where it may go and what it may lead to. So now I want to get you guys' perspective on what are some guys that are out there that not really are the big names like the Quill Glass, Marquise Bell, a um, couple of the Jackson State guys that really could be potential talent for NFL team that most people really don't know about. If, if I had to uh, bring out uh, two of those uh, young men, one would be Jatari Carter, who's, who's really caught on as of late. A uh, young man at Southern University plays uh, offensive tackle with his entire career without giving up a sack. Uh, he's dominant in the run game, a very athletic, great feat for an offensive lineman. Uh, you saw this week he was invited to the Senior Bowl. Uh, but I, I'm not sure how many people knew of Jatari Carter uh, midseason. Um and 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 you kind of his his pro potential. I think that that's uh, a young man. Uh, Joshua Williams is a is a kid that. You now when we talk about HBCUs, a lot of people like to stick with the swag and the VX. 
But there's a man, a young man named Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State, 6'3". Um, they have him listed at, at 197 pounds. He, he's right now about 207, 206. Plays cornerback, man-to-man uh, corner. And when you're 6'3", and you have that athletic ability to play man-to-man, and to play on the outside, uh, he's the only Division II player uh, this year that will be playing in the senior bowl. I think that he is going to make a name for himself when, when senior bowl practices start and people see his athleticism and what he's able to do. And this young man has the ability, uh, he has the potential to be the first player drafted uh, from Fayetteville State since 1976. Uh, so those are two young men uh, that people should be looking out for. Yeah, BJ actually took my two answers. Those were the two guys that I was going to have, Jatari, and something that I've done and what I wanted to add to the draft space and figure out a way that I could give back to HBCU just because I want to figure out a way I can create more exposure for all of these guys. So every year I create a top 50 players, senior players going into the season of HBCU players. And Jatari was my number five player and Josh was actually my number six player, I believe it was, on the list. So it's good to see both of them follow through with the promise that they have shown going into their senior seasons. And I think Josh, as BJ mentioned, is definitely going to have a chance to be drafted and be the first player drafted since 1976 from Fayetteville State, which is, a huge, which is a huge accomplishment. But also another guy I want to mention who I think has a chance to get drafted to is Jacoby Durant from South Carolina State, who's a cornerback who had a really good year this year, ended up being the MEAC Defensive Player of the Year, continuing that long lineage of impressive players that Buddy Pugh has put into the league. As I mentioned, Darius Leonard, Javon Hargrave um, the past few seasons, and then they finished off with the Celebration Bowl championship this year too, get the big victory over Jackson State. So Jacoby Durant, who's been at his best when when the, the moment was really, really the biggest. He had two interceptions when they played against Clemson, and then he had a really big sack in the Celebration Bowl too uh, against Jackson State. So I think he has a chance probably to go in the late round. So those are three names to definitely keep an eye on as the NFL draft approaches. Um, so we all know HBCUs have, you know, this historic tradition of probably putting out a few quarterbacks that draw some names. Um, Alabama State Tavares Jackson was the last HBCU quarterback drafted. So do guys like Alabama A&M's Aquil Glass, Alcorn State's Philip Harper, or Norfolk State Jawan Carter have a chance to get drafted and make a make a make a roster this year? Man, I would say Aquil Glass. Um... Has, a, has an outstanding shot. I mean, if you look at a kill glass, you know, a kid that's, you know, over 6'5", you know, 220-some-odd pounds, uh, young man that, you know, he passed for, you know, over 12,000 yards in his career. Uh, just last year, his senior year, he went over the 400-yard mark um, as far as passing in five games. Um, and you see what he was able to do with that aerial assault with Alabama A&M with that size and, uh, you know, his ability to, to read defenses, I think he has a solid chance. Um, I think uh, Felix Harper, um, I think he'll get a look. There was a time where you can look at a player like Felix Harper and go, well, no, he's too slight, he's too small. But I think, you know, with Kyler Murray and uh, Tua uh, Tungavaloa and some of the, the guys who are smaller in stature, I think they're really opening up the doors for – guys who may not have the prototypical size at the quarterback position. Um, and then uh, Jawan Carter, uh, they call him Pootie uh, from Norfolk State. Uh, he's, a, he's a kid that's sneaky athletic. Uh, he put up 
you know, yards through the air and on the ground. It's going to be interesting to see where we're going uh, professionally at the quarterback position. We like guys that can move. He's a guy that can move, um, that can throw it, you know, around a little bit. He may be a little bit of a project, uh, but that athletic, the athleticism that he has is something that you can't coach. So, uh, you know, hopefully he'll get a shot at the league as well. Yeah, I agree with all points made. I think Glass probably has the best opportunity just because from a size standpoint, he has everything that you're looking for stylistically. And then just talking to some people down uh, as far as NFL scouts wise, I think he's a player that is really intriguing for them as well. So I'm really hoping that he can get into one of these postseason all-star games. I was really hoping that he can get into one, but we'll see what does happen on that end. And then Harper and then Austin Carter, I think both of them will probably get looks probably as priority free agents, but I'm hoping they can get it to camp somewhere just because I think they both possess unique, unique ability. Mm. So are there any specific teams you're hoping to see take an HBCU player this year and why? The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, for, for multiple <laughs> different reasons. Uh, number one, because that's my, that's my team. <laughs> uh, that, that's my team. And, and you know, I want to see the Steelers um, do well. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's one, one reason that I would like to see the, you know, the Steelers, uh, you know, draft an in, you know, HBCU player. Uh, but it's also the, the Steelers' history. If you go down and you look at uh, the Steelers' history of drafting HBCU players, uh, you know, the male blunts of the world, uh, the John Stallworth um, of, of the world, uh, and, and, you know, what they were able to, you know, do uh, with Bill Nunn, uh, legendary uh, Bill Nunn, uh, and his eye, uh, you know, he's one of the trailblazers as far as going to HBCUs uh, and grabbing the talent. And, and that landed him in the, in, in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So just to keep with that tradition and that history that uh, Bill Nunn and, and those guys created back then, it would be uh, sentimental uh, to be able to see that in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I'll go a little bit on a different path. I agree. Pittsburgh is one, but also I would go with the Detroit Lions just because their general manager, Brad Holmes, is actually a graduate of North Carolina A&T, and he's one of the few black general managers in the NFL. So with them being an HBCU grad, I would like to see them try to attempt to draft somebody from HBCU or at least sign somebody from HBCU. So I definitely would throw in Brad Holmes of the Detroit Lions. So what do you think will set an HBCU play from other college players in this combine? Um, kind of moving forward and, and looking along this draft process? I don't know if it's a standpoint as far as them looking different um, from any of the other players. I just think they have to figure out a way for themselves to stand out. And the best way that they can do that is just by their performance. Whatever it is that they have to do at the combine, whether it's run fast, jump high, or whatever it is that they need to do, they just need to figure out a way to help themselves stand out from the pack. So I don't know if it's a, a certain thing or necessarily a specific thing that they need to do it's just they need to hold up on the testing in and of course the interview process that they're going to go through too yeah man I, I agree um you know the, the thing about it when you, when you don't come from a, a power five school you know that that uh you get one moment you know you get you, you have limited opportunities and it's really going to be uh, take advantage of the opportunities that you have whether it's the combine the pro day uh whatever you do make sure you put your best foot forward um, and, and, and that's what, you know, these young men are going to have to do. Um, your, your margin of error 
Um, if, if you're not a guy that's, you know, projected high, it's going to be very small. So, you know, the one opportunity that you have, make sure that you capitalize on it. So that's what's going to be uh, different. And, that, and that's how these guys, a lot of these guys are going to have to go into it as opposed to uh, someone who's already projected as, you know, one of the top three round uh, type of guys. So now I, I guess with this uptick of just HBCUs kind of on the uprise, I have to kind of bring this perspective on just to ask you guys, um, I would say this sort of topic. So now with Deion Sanders kind of pushing this recruiting trail, um, first now in Jackson State taking the number one player, Travis Hunter, why has he received harsh criticism from the college football world and white fans and media I'm um, seeing that now that's like the next thing right now in the college football world. I think the biggest thing is, is that you've seen is that a, a lot of people feel like um, it was their right to have Travis Hunter. Um, almost like he was a not, not, not a human being, but a possession. And, it, and it's my right uh, to have this position. And that was exposed a lot, not only with, uh, fans, you know, fan is short for fanatics. So you, you expect that with fans, but certain people in, in, in the media uh, and, and the texts that they had, and, and that lets you know that we've come accustomed to um, these commodities, not, not people, not children, but these commodities um, should go to these schools and have these, you know, multi-million dollar facilities, and, you know, sliding boards and all these things. I'm in the locker room, but uh, John Grant said something in the Celebration Ball press conference. He said, man, that, that's the blame. Uh, once you get past the sliding board and all this other stuff, how did that make you a better person and a better player? And and, and it, it doesn't. This is just a whole bunch of stuff. And I think that um, a lot of people are afraid that these young men are going to think a little bit deeper than just stuff and realize that it's your talent and your ability that a draw that attracts the television camera, uh, that attracts the sponsorship, and, and and your talent is going to attract the money no matter where you go. And I think people are afraid that these young men are going to realize that one day. I think, and BJ brings up a great point. I agree with a lot of what he said, but I think what we've come, what fans have become accustomed to as well as the media, is that these players are going to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and they're a little bit fearful when players go against the grain and realize the power that they do have. And just like what BJ said, your talent is what really gets you the exposure. It's not necessarily the facilities or the school that you go to, but it's become it's become really ingrained in the mind of these athletes coming up just because they're not watching the, the Southerns or the Gremlin or – the teams like that on TV, like what was happening back in those old days when we had Eddie Robinson and some of these other legendary coaches. So now when they go on these visits, like a Travis Hunter did to Jackson State, and he sees, oh, man, there's 60,000 fans here at homecoming. This is no different than what I could get at Florida State. So I think just exposing these athletes to the HBCU culture and then just having them not being as fearful to go against the grain or against the norms of what has happened in years past, I think that's what you're starting to see different now. Even Hugh Jackson at Grambling is starting to get, I think he just got the number two defensive tackle in the country out of the junior college ranks to commit yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. So getting these type of athletes is now becoming the norm as opposed to something that we didn't see like five or 10 years ago. Well, you guys gave a lot of insight 
And I thank you for that. I learned a lot from the, what I like to call the two historians. That concludes today's episode of the Roden Fellows Podcast. Thank you for tuning in once again. We'd like to give a special thanks to Jordan Reed and BJ Jones for sharing their expertise with us. Extra thanks to Parker Owens and the ESPN audio content team. Get all of the HBC 468 podcasts by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Make sure to join us next time for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to go to the Undefeated website.